1: title of the show, which is uh, There's Fate and Then There Is You, um, where that is coming from, and I want the listeners to know, is is that um, I talk about uh, we come into the world at a very young age, and they get cut away from who we are and then spend the rest of our lives trying to get back to that original intent. And I call that in my work The Fated Break. Um, and so when we talk about fate and free will in this context, Irma, uh, most of us talk about free will way after that period that I'm talking about. In other words, I'm saying that it happened so early, like when we're coming right out of the womb and the egos kind of take shape uh, around three years of age and on, and then it kind of becomes a hard structure by the time we get pre-adolescence. But most people think about free will and fate, it's much much older in our lives, and much uh, we're we're kind of adults in that discussion of fate versus free will. So, uh, what what were your thoughts tonight? I mean, I know that you had a different take on the title when you saw it the first time. What were your thinking, or what was your thinking about it?
2: Well, I was recalling a book I read, um, and I can't remember the author's name. It might have been Robert Ohato, and I think the book title was um, Fate Versus Destiny. And what I recall from the book, that I I did resonate with it, and I I did agree kind of on on his um, terminology that fate is is what we are born into, you know, our family system, and... um, the history that, that uh, came before them, so it you know, carries down. And then um, what we choose to do with the fate we were born into is up to us, and, and the choices that we make can change our fate into our destiny. And to me, destiny is um, from what we consciously choose based on tuning into um, what I would call the, the soul. And kind of having the the soul guide, and um, so that that would be the the difference for me is turning our fate into our our destiny. So I don't know how that's connected to to where you're coming from with with uh, tonight's show.
0: Well.
1: Well, I think, I think it's connected only in the sense that I start earlier. I, I go back even further than to when we're even old enough to contemplate the concept of faith. <laughs> I mean, when do you think we're doing that contemplation? I don't know where in the book he thinks that we begin to contemplate the concept of faith. Uh, when do you think that is? Was there an age that you remember him mentioning, or do you think of an age I, when we become to? I
2: don't.
1: When me, I don't
2: remember what he yeah. said, but um, based on my own personal life experience, I think for me it it was an experience I had around uh, seven or eight years old when I was kind of coming into mm-hmm. the understanding of, of being a, a separate individual from my family. There was at the same time a realization mm-hmm. of, oh, my gosh, if I just um, identify my life through what my family tells me I am or who I am, then what is that? And so I, I did start questioning a, a lot of things as far as fate and what choices do I make based on who I know myself to be versus who my family tells me I am. So it was around seven or eight. And how me. Per,
1: I, yeah, okay, seven or eight. Yeah, so so uh, so we're going to make up. We'll we'll just make that up. That that's when that happens, and we'll say from six to nine because for me it was nine. Uh, so mm-hmm. so I'll just make I'll just make up. I'm a psychologist. I can make it up. So we'll just make <laughs> up that we begin to start getting a sense of. Uh, but but I'm sure that 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 it probably happens. If I was being real about that, uh, that when we begin to start kind of contemplating the concept of fate, it probably happens as soon as we get hit in the head with something that just doesn't ring true for who we are. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so it may even be earlier, you know, but we may not actually contemplate it until we get a little bit more maturity, uh so you know by the time we're toddlers before we become teenagers, and certainly, if we haven't done it between six and nine or six and twelve, we're definitely doing it by the time we hit adolescence, and that mm-hmm. is contemplating contemplating our lives and our circumstances, you see. I think early on we may not be or we may not be conscious that we're contemplating it. We may just be trying to survive it at some point. But the, yeah. So so the the idea of um of what you said, and I like that because it's valid, that uh, that we, we, we kind of are at the mercy of the culture uh, that we are born into and the the dynamic, the family dynamic, the cultural dynamic, and all the beliefs and all the stuff that comes with that. And, uh, and we don't really get a sense of uh, who we are or what our path should be until we begin to question that, and not everybody does, right? Not everybody does mm. question that. Uh, in fact, they put it off, and you know, sometimes they put it off until midlife. Don't even bother to, to question it until around midlife. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and for you and me, it was early. I think, and I think for a lot of uh, inherently spiritual people, and 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 to me, those are people that are connected to the soul's intent uh, and the soul's uh, existence in their reality uh, at a very very young age, and never let go of that. So I think those people probably have that sense of fate and the sense of of distinction between themselves and the outside world or begin to start contemplating that much younger. So... So... So, so, I'm going to back a little further, you know, leave it to me to go a little bit further back. I'm saying well, it even goes back before we're aware that we're aware. <laughs> mm-hmm. it goes back to it goes back to when to when we're cut away from the Creator, cut away from the mother, and by that, I mean that um, and again, I'm going to say this over and over to the listeners that that we we uh when the soul is conceived, we know now that it, it is a burst of light. We know now that this burst of light is energy that, in the field of energy, that is that is intelligent and it organizes our cells into organs and our brain and spinal cord and and uh, our skeleton and our heart happens. All this happens within like five weeks, and that that intelligence is in sync with. Uh, the heart of the Creator, which is the mother, and then we come into existence for a couple of years, and so I'm saying two years nine months, so this rounded up to three years that that we have a precognitive memory of the separation and the connection of that energy uh, and of that of that source that is soul that uh, is kind of orchestrating and. And there, for us to tap into, and uh so I'm saying it's happening even sooner this this fated break, and the fated break mm-hmm. being of course when we get cut a- when we get cut away at birth um, and so I'm adding to that as you know irma the the angst that comes with that so uh what what is your sense of that when we think about fate, and then we think about the angst that comes with the fate uh I think I'm bringing that, and not a lot of other people are talking about that but with the with the the realization that our life is faded in a particular direction, there is um a certain amount of uh volatility emotional volatility that comes with that realization what mm-hmm. what is what is your sense of
2: that Definitely. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it, for me, and you know, I I really can only speak of of my my personal experience. It um there was a lot of confusion around that because mm. um, I just knew something was off, <laughs> but I really couldn't yeah. figure out exactly what that offness was. But I I questioned everything and that did not go over well in in a lot of different circumstances but I just had to because I there was something in me when I was being told this is how the world is this is what we do this is what we don't do and my biggest question was who said so (laughs) yeah yeah and so that did that did for me it created an angst because I I don't know what it was exactly in me, I guess, a connection to my soul that thought that we are all unique in our individual ways and that uniqueness should be celebrated and acknowledged. And when you can't question what's happening around you, then that takes away that uniqueness and that never felt Right, so that's part of what created angst for me. I don't know if I answered
1: the question. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think that's what I think that's what happens. I think we we shift from feeling our way through the experience into emoting when we begin to emote. That's the angst. In other words, we're kind of mm-hmm. feeling our way through, trying to sort out a distinction between uh, the culture and the circumstances we were born into. And then, as we begin to feel the something's off, the emotional reaction to that is, wait a minute—you know, this is uh, this doesn't feel uh, true to me or true for me. And then, and the the more uh, that and the longer that's allowed to to persist, I think that um, the angst kind of grows. And so, so it would be worthwhile to say that, we, that that's when we begin to, to start developing symptoms of different mm-hmm. kinds as we begin mm-hmm. to react. Uh, we may get sick to our stomach or get headaches or be depressed and not really have a full understanding of why. Uh, and where the ego tends to go with that is, well, there must be something wrong with me, particularly when we're young. It must be me. It can't be them. <laughs> you no know, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's kind of is is kind of what is kind of what we say when we're little, and if we have enough people telling us uh that then we can we certainly can incorporate that as being as being true so uh, mm-hmm. so it, there is a so that's the very kind of beginning stages of what I would call the sticky spot where all other emotions stick to. And so that volu- that volatility that that volatility of angst can then be magnified over time as we uh, as we don't as we ignore it uh, or try to go on in spite of it which ends up becoming the emotional self you know it kind of mm-hmm. becomes uh it, it, it be it begins with which is different than the feeling self that we started out as you see and mm-hmm. I think that 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 And so that's – when I think of fate versus free will, I think of it in the context of am I a feeling being or am I an emotional being? And, of course, the the, the honest answer is we're feeling beings, which means we are spiritual, and emoting is we become psychological beings because Mm -hmm. we're caught up in the psychology of our fate, you see. Uh, in this case, the fated break, and then and then the fate of where we land in the in the world and family and culture. So so that so that fate uh, that happens, I think, is inevitable. There's no way there's no way to around it. But it mm-hmm. isn't necessarily negative because it kind of fuels the engine that that ends up provoking us to get back on course. You know that mm-hmm. if we don't have the if, if we don't have the fuel of the angst of what it means to be here, uh, and that's kind of what drives us. If we don't have that drive that's coming from the provocation of the human spirit, then we're not going to get back on course anyway. So that provocation is necessary. It's just a matter as to what extreme. Where it breaks down is when people take the word fate and think victim. You see, mm. and mm-hmm. uh, and that can ha- and and that happens. You know, it certainly happened to me. It happened. It's it's it happens to a lot of people that one's fate ends up being a form of victimization, or it takes on the complexion of victimization. Uh, Are you a victim to be raised in your family? You see, or are you victim to be to be raised on the block that you grew up on? I mean, certainly there is some victim stories in there, and that's that's when we that's when we begin to find out that all families have skeletons in their closets. All families have 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 uh, pathology in them and that pathology is inherited and passed on and trickles down to the children. So that's the that's the victimization. Some people frame it that way. Some people just kind of frame it as, you know, it's my life, it's my family, it's you know, whatever it is. <laughs> it's what it is. But uh mm-hmm. nonetheless it's uh it's um it's something that has to be understood and something that has to be embraced for us to uh, turn it around in some way to, and, and to get to the place that you described, which is what is my intention? What is my reason for being here? What is my purpose? What's the destiny? What is the destination? Mm-hmm. What, am I try- what am I trying to get to? and and yeah. so the concept the concept in the soul's intent certainly is is that the you're trying to get back to yourself you're trying to come home to yourself you're trying to integrate or to become whole uh to be uh to take those opposing forces that are working internally and get them to work together in some symbiotic way so so that's the language that you and I use as we talk about this uh so, so the idea of, of you know the title of the show being uh, "There's Fate and Then There Is You" is is to not identify with the fate any more than one would identify with the victimization if if it's also mm-hmm. included in that fate in in that fate. Uh, but but much easier said than done, right? I mean, because a lot of us do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of us do identify identify with the fate and with the and and with the victimization.
2: Yeah, but but in in all truth, we're we can be all of those things, and I think the mm-hmm. the, um, the resolution or the coming together is the integration that that we're all of those mm-hmm. things. We aren't, you know, this or that. We're and also, you know, moving from feeling to emoting in, into the psychology of of being. Well, we are that too. We can't escape it, but to understand it and to integrate it all so that there isn't a feeling of um, um, like a a fighting with yourself almost. (laughs) You know, when you do that integration in your inner work, you're no longer fighting with yourself. There's an integrating of it almost.
1: Yeah, you're not divided, you know, which is the word no. I use a lot. We're not, not, we're not experiencing this division. Uh, I, I had a client today that, uh, that, again, I gave a Rorschach to, and I, I love some of these responses. Uh, he was uh, making faces to somebody on the other side of a glass window uh, in, one of the, in one of his responses. Uh, another response uh, was two people fighting. In fact, his entire – all his responses, he had some symbolism of division. Uh, and um, and of course and and of course this client is you know has got a schizoaffective disorder or whatever and and definitely has a long history of personality dysfunction whatever but but that's that's what we're talking about if you could imagine a plate glass window uh, between you and these internal uh, kind of kind of organs of perception that I talk about the soul spirit ego and heart that each of these are behind a plate glass and uh, that your your job spiritually is to remove those those divisions or those divisive kinds of things so that they can communicate interact and and work in a in a symbiotic way but um, but but that division is is there, uh, and it's there in all of us, and it is to be resolved at some level. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate what you said very much. That that we're not either fate or uh, or divine or fate and and intended. We are really both of those things.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, and when and when we stop thinking in a kind of a dualistic way, uh, which is what the ego would do, then we can begin to. Begin to resolve that.
2: I was just thinking that um, in the spiritual community, sometimes there's this um, idea of that um, oh, the past doesn't exist and all we have is, is now. And I get that from one perspective, but then from another perspective, I think just like, you know, we're, we're our fate and we're our destiny, we're, we're a uh, combination of, of all of that, and I think it's the same with our past. Our past does exist within us, and I think it's integrating it and bringing it up, um, bringing it into the the present. So I don't I don't like to to feel like. Um, that any experience I've had since since I, you know, was born into this existence, that it's all been meaningful, all of it. And so it kind of um, bothers me a little bit sometimes when there's talk of, well, the past doesn't exist. It does exist within me, and I think it's important. And I don't – I'm part of my past. It's integration. It's, It's part of me. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I think a lot of people uh, uh, end up saying that the pa- that the past that doesn't exist because they're saying that you need to kind of forget it and lay it lay it at rest at some level or let it go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But 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 I think I think the 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 real spiritual reality of that is is that one has to find a moral to their story their entire life story, and you cannot do that without having those earlier stages in some kind of context that fits the fits the narrative, you know, and fits the conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. And, and re- re- I mean, think about it. That's the wisdom. I mean, uh, you would never get to a place of of wisdom if you didn't have some accumulation. That has a beginning, a middle, and an end,
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: that 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 essentially is your story. That's your past and your future. Uh, and I think as we get older, uh, I know I, I've had this realization. It's, it, uh, I think I said this to you in not too many phone calls ago. That uh, I used to think so much about the future until one day I woke up and realized I was already in my future. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. And so,
1: yeah. Yeah, so so I think as you get older, you kind of move into that, uh, the, the past, present, and future, kind of merge, which mm-hmm. means that, that mm-hmm. you really are in the now. You really are in this moment. The older that you get, the more uh, – and so it's not that you let go or forget. There is a merging of those dimensions into the present moment, and uh, and that Definitely. becomes more pronounced. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. yeah, it becomes more pronounced and I think more um, – uh, What's the word more um not just pronounced but more I guess advantageous to to be present because uh the time we have left now is is significant and it's in our face, you know, as we get mm-hmm. older. So so yeah. So so I don't think of fate as necessarily a bad uh a, I don't think any of it is bad, kinda of like you. I think it's just necessary developmental stages that we all move through. What's what's not what's not um, part of those stages, sadly, is anything that might be adding to the angst. In other words, if you if you came in, in, into the world like I did, I mean, it was it was enough to be brought into a world with the family it was a little bit confused and divided, but then to have also experienced a bunch of craziness and a bunch of abuse and a bunch of more craziness that wasn't necessary, you see, and um,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so. That's that's where it kind of ends up becoming an accumulation of uh, of angst that that we lose sight of the original source wound, which is uh, wait a minute I was connected to something that felt true and synchronized and and real and then all of a sudden I'm in this adaptive survival mode and then the lo- the longer we go with that the more and more we begin to forget where we started and that's and then pretty soon. Victimization uh, or feeling like that we're helpless and at the and at the fate of of the world in general starts becoming an habitual kind of apathetic giving up about life. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And that and that and that's and that's unfortunate, but it doesn't have to be. And I think that's uh, that's what uh, what I want the folks to hear for sure is is that that the victimization that we have undergone, all of us that have been victims of some level. It plays a part in the making of the very material that will heal us and will transform us. That is possible though only if we become present with it. And mm-hmm. to kind of integrate it in the way that you were talking before, yeah. That
2: that helplessness and that apathy that, that you talked about in, in the opening or in your in what you what you wrote about the show, I mean that wouldn't that happen if somebody's spirit is actually broken? Because the spirit is the motivator or the provocator. So if your spirit gets broken, that's when you would feel helpless um, and apathetic, wouldn't it be?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes, and the the soul's intent, the, the broken spirit, which I believe happens to all of us, uh, is is what I call the faded break. The faded break is when this w- is when our feelings get hurt. So that those hurt feelings is the first experience of what I would call broken spirit. Whether or not we become mean spirited in that break mm. depends upon depends upon the volatility uh, that we were subjected to. In other words, if the if the faded break in its purest form, it's just me getting cut away from the creator, then there's not going to be a lot of volatility with that, and it's going to be a slow but subtle realization that I am separate from the source, I am detached from what is real and authentic, and I'm going to gradually kind of eke my way back to some balanced or grounded place, at least ideally. If I Mm -hmm. have, if if I undergo that same faded break... My feelings get hurt. My spirit gets broken. But then at the same time that's occurring, I'm, I'm living in the Jerry Springer show <laughs> or I'm uh, living in a, you know, in a crazy neighborhood and growing up in a crazy culture around an enormous amount of insanity. Then that, that, uh, that faded break turns into mean-spiritedness because mean spiritedness is, is needed to defend against the outside world.
0: Mm-hmm. because
1: really, yeah. the mean spiritedness which in this form in its rawest form would be anger, is necessary uh for self defense so is yeah. the personality is the personality begins to uh begins to form uh kind of after that faded break, the original faded break then uh if volatility is uh is in the picture, then so too will be an enormous amount of anger and rage and grief and Sadness and all those emotions, um, uh, which is really the 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 vibration that forms a personality disorder to begin with. If you can imagine that personality is clay that is formed by feelings that have been hurt, uh,
0: hmm. and
1: that personality, you know, the human ego is clay, in other words that is formed or deformed, is aberrant, is bruised, is wounded by feelings that have been hurt. And those, those thoughts and those feelings, uh, which then form emotions, are stored away in the, in the human ego, in the brain, particularly the left side of the brain, uh, and left there to be played over and over again every time our feet hit the floor and we start our day. I mean, that's literally how it works. Yeah, so, so so it's almost like the programming is all kinda of there and it's all kinda of melded and meshed in the in the experience. And so what we end up becoming is these emotional, psychological human beings and and forget that we are feeling uh, an intuitive and loving and compassionate beings. Um and that's yeah, and that's that's the that's the break. And so the more yeah. severe the more volatile the uh, the experience uh, in that original faded experience, uh, the more uh, the thicker the thicker the division. I guess if you can imagine those walls internally between these these organs of perception, those walls are thicker. The the shadow is darker. The process is harder. Because it takes a certain amount of commitment, like I had a counselor ask me today about this this gentleman I did the workshop with, you know what what is this client going to be like in treatment well he's he's not he's treatable, but he's not a candidate for treatment because it would take fourteen to sixteen months just to get his attention, <laughs> and he has Mm-hmm. And he has a, a, a chronic a chronic history of noncompliance and a chronic history of anti authority and a chronic history of resistance and opposition and so he's not a good therapy case. So he's so stuck in his in his disorder that he's that typically what psychiatry does is just throw medication at these people and that's that's where he is. Of course, before psychiatry, for him it was methamphetamines and marijuana and cocaine and Lortabs and Percocets. I mean, so he, he was self medicating before he ever ended up in front of the psychiatrist. Uh, but he's never been a compliant person to begin with. You see, so, so, so mm-hmm. that that's why that's why we call that's why we call it disorder. It's so pervasive and so chronic. You're not going to crack it unless, and this is what happened to me in the hospital. Unless I cut off his legs and rip out his spinal cord, then I'll get his attention. Then he may wake up, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's and that's like three and that's like three percent of the population that would do that. So, so yeah, when we when we when we talk about Fate versus uh this intended version of yourself that uh is special and unique the distance between your faded break uh, and your uh, your story and your uh, intention and purpose in life the distance uh, is really contingent on uh your life story mm-hmm. and uh how much of that how much of that you've been resolving in real time or how much of that you've been sitting on until the crisis kind of hit you and then it woke you up you see most mm-hmm. most of us just most of us kind of work through this in some slow methodical month after month year after year kind of way and we kind of just kind of plot our way through it uh we don't have this abrupt awakening you know doesn't happen that way, mm-hmm. unless we unless mm-hmm. we get unless we get you know get hit between the eyes by life, and that somehow wakes us up, so
0: mm-hmm. to come
1: to terms yeah. with with our story, but yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, if there's that, and then there's also, and I, I think this is a really um, a major thing in in life in general. That it seems to me um, that. At least in the society that I live in that we have gotten so off track from um being feeling human beings, being feeling human beings rather than than emoting or rather than um um, victim or being apathetic or I, I just think um, in general we're really, really off course in that way because things couldn't be happening as they're happening right now in in our world if we were um, feeling human beings, if we were functioning from a feeling place. There's no way that we could be doing some of the things that we're doing now. It just wouldn't be happy. Yeah. 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 And yeah I, we I really think are. That's I mean danger.
1: Yeah, we can see in yeah. the culture that we are at the mercy we are at the mercy of the psychology of who we are. Uh and uh mm-hmm. and that psychology and that psychology right now is, is uh is exploding in all different kinds of ways around the world. And yes, uh, I agree with yeah. you. And the, and the the solution to this, which is at least my experience and what I attempt to teach uh is is a psycho spiritual understanding of this existence and which means that you've got to merge the psychology of who you are with the human spirit that you are and uh, which then you know kind of opens you up to the communication of the soul to then activate the compass that is your heart to get all of this kind of functioning in some uh some um Continuous way. Um, that's that's the solution. And mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is do it. We're trying to separate psychology away from spirituality, spirituality away from religion, morality away from ethics, ethics away from yeah. this. And so we're right. di- yeah we we are divi- we are dividing all of these kinds of human uh, uh, values and and practices, and we're not really getting the getting the food or the nourishment that that comes from the wisdom of this experience and I, and I think that that's that's a, a, again is is what I'm attempting to teach with the work I'm doing is that um, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm going to I was going to save this uh for when I got off the air but this is a good time to go ahead and just uh, I I had a uh a, a couple insightful experiences this weekend uh, that came to me and I – and good as time as any to, to, to bring it to the public, but uh, I have been talking about The Soul's Intent, Irma, for I guess 10, maybe 12 years now. And uh, cause, in fact, I'm losing track of how long I've been talking about it, but uh, I think The Soul's Intent is a book was written in 2002, so that would make it 14 years Um or was it 2012? I'm losing track on time. But anyway, it's been a while. And mm-hmm. as, I, as I talk about the soul's intent, and as I have uh, just in the past uh, few months kind of branded uh, a logo for the soul's intent that says that arrival is a choice, and I've created a, a, a station that talks about life conversations that make sense. I've been talking all around what the soul's intent is because I've been saying that the soul's intent is that we get here, that we arrive, that uh, we think we get here when we're born, but we don't get here till we make the choice to be here. I've been talking all around this word, and it came to me this weekend what the soul's intent really is, Irma. And I've never said it out loud before until this moment. And guess what the soul's intent really is? It's mm-hmm. incarnation. The word incarnation means to be embodied. In fact, that 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 is the soul's intent uh, that we uh, be embodied, fully formed, realized, manifested, comprehensible, which literally is the un- the union of the soul and the spirit of who we are. So the human yeah. soul wants to be incarnation. That's its intent is incarnation.
0: Yeah. And.
1: In- and and when I had that insight this weekend, and so I've been dancing all around that word. I don't, know, I can't believe I'm just now putting that together after all this time. But that is the word, isn't it? Incarnation.
2: Oh, that that just feels so right. <laughs> really
1: yeah, that does. is the word. That that really is the word of what the soul's intent is, and 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 not to say that what I've been saying all along is is not true. It's just incarnation mm-hmm. captures it all, because incarnation yeah. in its purest form means. That it wants to be in this body, fully manifested, fully realized, and fully comprehended, and and the union of the soul, which is considered to be divine, and the human spirit, which is the feeling self, is the union of the soul, of the divine and the feeling uh, kind of aspect that makes us human. Well, another thing came to me, and, it, and this wasn't an, this was not uh, my words. I was listening to David White this weekend, who is a poet from the UK, and that's W H. Y T E, I think, and uh, mm. he was he was asked uh, by the interviewer his take right now on human beings, and he gave a great answer. He said that human beings are the only species on the planet that can and does refuse to be who they are.
0: <laughs> oh my and gosh, that, this, and that is so true
1: and and that this refusal and that this refusal can become so pronounced that we forget who we are and who we were intended to be. And so I love that. I love the way he said that because that's exactly the whole reason why I created intentional guide to evolution, why I'm doing this talk show that we have forgotten Uh, who we are, and many of us are refusing to remember. And that refusal is happening in many cases because we've forgotten who we are. And who we are is an embodied spirit uh, that is then cut off by the human ego, you see. Uh, But I Mm -hmm. love that. Human beings are the only species on the planet that can can refuse to be who they are. And he gives an example of a – and I thought you'd appreciate this – of a shark – <laughs> says one day in the water, <laughs> says one day in the water that it's tired of swimming, it's tired of being painted as a bad guy. And yeah, he's got sharp teeth, but you know that's not his fault. That's he's a shark. And so he just you know, but he can't do what what we do and say. You know, I've just decided I'm gonna be a crow. A shark yeah. can't make right. that decision. Yeah, wow. but we can.
2: Wow.
1: Human beings. So that would be all the
2: sense that we do.
1: Human beings suffer. Uh, really, refuse to be. Uh, are they are the only species on the planet that can refuse to be who they really are? And that, and so, the, and so we become something other than that. You see, and that that really struck me is, uh, he said in a very few words what I've been saying in a lot of words about um, about the work that I do. And so, uh, mm-hmm. so isn't that is and that's very fitting. Uh, to go ahead and throw into the show tonight. I was gonna say that for yeah. you when we were off the air, but but I think it's very appropriate to go ahead and say it now that the soul's intent is incarnation and uh-huh. uh to be embodied. And uh and for, and for us to and for it to be compre- to be comprehended and comprehensible, to be understood. Yeah. To be
2: self-realized, to be self-realized, but, yeah, to be awake, to be in our bodies, but awake in the connection of the soul with the body. To be incarnated, it makes total yeah. sense. Yeah, it, oh it doesn't my have, goodness.
1: And I can't, and I've been dancing all around that word for forever and haven't said it. I've been saying everything else but that. Isn't that amazing?
0: Mm-hmm, and, for some, mm-hmm. and for some
1: reason, this weekend that hit me. That hit me, and I thought, you know, why have I not been saying that incarnation is the soul's intent? Well, actually, that's
0: what it is.
2: And that that kind of makes me question the the transcendence part of a lot of um, spiritual people's journeys that, you know, they want to transcend, but I have always looked at that as I don't want to transcend. I want to be fully embodied, which would be fully incarnated.
0: Yeah, I don't want to exactly.
2: Send the experience. Yeah. I want to be fully in the experience. Yeah. I oh want to be. Goodness. I want to be
1: the incarnation. I want. I want to be the incarnation that I am. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there you go.
0: It's
1: like wow. that. I mean, so look at look at the look at the look at the end of the sentence. I am incarnation, uh, oh. or I am incarnate, uh, and that would be valid. Or I am not, and mm-hmm. what would I am what? not be? I am not incarnate would be that I am not myself. I'm not myself, I'm somebody else, and that somebody else is taking me over. So I think how does that fit how does that fit in the in the topic tonight? There is fate, you know, which is the psychological re- realization and spiritual realization that in the beginning we all get cut away. The volatility of that of that break uh it varies from person to person and experience to experience. But at some point we get a sense we get a sense that something's off and we want to get back to our original selves. That's all psychological stuff that that realization and the breaking. But the capacity to sit back and observe and be aware that something's off that's that's that in, that incarnate kind of aspect of the of the self, which is the soul that recognizes mm-hmm. that something's off. And mm-hmm. uh, and so we and so so we're. Work on our way back to that. So, there's the so, in, in I, I guess, in a short way, tonight's title there's fate, which is the psychological, emotional experience of what it means to be in this existence. And then there is the incarnation that is you. And that incarnation, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that incarnation is um, something that can be realized, but only if you awaken. To uh, the guidance and the internal uh, communication that is taking place uh, between the soul, spirit, ego, and heart, that kind of causes that incarnation to be realized. So, in other words,
2: Mm -hmm. it's
1: kind of like the it's kind of like the tuning fork for it all.
2: From that, we all kind of have the the same um, purpose, in a sense, journey. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we have the same
1: journey, which is to become embodied. Yeah, to become yes. to become the <laughs> incarnate you know, to become the incarnation we were intended to be, and and I I say, from a psychological standpoint, uh, uh, the hopeful expectation that we were intended to be. Uh, oh no God. no no child no child that at least um, is planned for and or loved that comes into the world. Is anything less than a hopeful expectation for the future? And so
0: mm-hmm.
1: that hopeful expectation, uh, which is more psychological than spiritual, uh, is one aspect of it. But the other thing is, incarnation is incarnation. You know, I mean, to become fully embodied, to become fully uh, in communication with this intelligence that can be comprehended and can be understood. And isn't channeled? And isn't coming from an angel? And <laughs> uh, mm-hmm.
0: uh, this
1: is the this is the distinction that I'm that I am making in the work that I do. That this this intelligence um, that has been that has been communicating with me through ten thousand souls uh, is now hitting me today as ten thousand incarnations. You know, 10, 10,000 people that for a soundbite were fully in their incarnation. They were fully mm-hmm. embodied with their experience, and in that full embodied moment, some in, some incredible and some profound things came through, and and this is mm-hmm. what I'm sharing with the work.
2: So that that incarnation is the arrival. That is the arrival mm-hmm. that you talk about in mm-hmm. the soul's intent.
0: Yes, yes, yes. they're been, the I've same been thing. All around, it. <laughs> they
1: are the same thing, but incarnation. Not only sounds better; it's more. It's more the truth. It's in other words. It's yeah. incarnation is is in essence a spiritual word. A rival isn't
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: incarnation in in its purest form of of, of defining uh, or of defining the word is the idea of being embodied, fully formed, mm-hmm. realized, manifest manifested and comprehended. In, in the human condition, it is the union of the soul and the spirit of who we are or mm-hmm. the divine in the feeling human being that we are. So uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, the word incarnation captures it better, and it's much more true to what it, what it is I've been trying to say. So, uh,
2: yeah. So the, that brings up this question for me. Until a person becomes fully incarnated and and self realized in that incarnation, wouldn't it kind of be like they would be kind of beside themselves? They wouldn't be fully incarnated. They would kind of be beside themselves. Yeah.
1: Well, they yeah they wouldn't be disembodied because 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 the soul animates the body they would be, what, what David White said, they would be pretending to be something other than their incarnation.
2: Oh, my goodness. I think that is so huge. I just think that is, is, yeah. is so huge yeah. because, I mean, yeah. yeah I experience that uh, well all the time where I feel like some people yeah. are fully there and some people are somewhere else. They're not fully there, yeah.
1: Yeah, or, or they're fully in their egos, which would be mm. – uh,
2: uh, which means that
1: only their ego is embodied, and you could do that if you oh. could imagine if you can imagine that the that the field of energy that is the, that is the soul which you know uh, they're they're just condensing or concentrating the energy uh, that they think is I and me in the in the brain or in the head or in the human ego and that's and that 's mm-hmm. really what what absence what absence would be. But I like the word embodied because it isn't the same language as absence and presence. Embodied means that we're already, I mean, the soul already is embodied. Why aren't we fully in the incarnation of that soul? Well, because we're distracted by the Mm -hmm. human ego. And that that distraction really takes takes the energy away from the rest of the incarnate experience. You see so mm-hmm. that's what it really means when we're shi- when, when we're shifting energies around and we're and we're moving energies around That's kind of what we're really doing is we're going in and out of uh these organs of perceptions just like electricity you know it's, it's like moving mm-hmm. a current through through different organs of perception and never really um because the organs of perception are not working in unison, they're they're working independent of one another. Then the energy is being displaced or separated or cut off, and so the, it, it it isn't the whole the whole apparatus isn't functioning. And and, and instead, what you have are just uh, just portions of the of the apparatus that is the human body and human experience working in separate ways. So yeah, mm-hmm. so the opposite of being embodied, because I, 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 I know where you were going to go with that, the opposite of being uh, embodied would be disembodied, and certainly we're not – you can't do that. You can't be disembodied, but you could certainly shift the incarnation that is you out of your body into your head.
0: Hmm. Take that,
1: and, and, and so therefore never realize the fullness of the in, uh, of the incarnation. Or never fully realize the energy that is there, and and it's an illusion, of course, because the entire body is animated by this embodiment of incarnation.
0: Wow. So it's
1: an it's an illusion that the ego plays, you know, this business of absence and presence. And so and so, I think it changes for me when you consider that since human beings are the only species on the planet that can pretend to be something other than they really are. And then they and they do that out of self-defense and survival, and they do it for so long they kind of forget where they came from and forget who they really were. And so it'd be like a shark acting like a crow, and then forgetting how to be a shark again. You know, it, it, it's that it's that whole kind of dynamic. And so that's really what personality disorder ends up becoming, and that's what personality ends up doing to us when we become our personality, and it and it kind of uh, is in charge of. Uh, of what we think of ourselves to be or who we think ourselves to be. It's such a narrow perspective, our personality of who we are, because it's nothing but traits and beliefs and behaviors. We're so much more than all that, you see.
2: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, getting yeah. Um, ready for the, the show tonight, I was kind of just glancing through different um pages in the soul's intent and one of the intentions kind of jumped out to me for the show tonight and I don't know which um chapter it was connected to but the intention was um you have to dismember to remember that was the intention mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and and to me it was connected to to tonight's show especially with with what you just brought into the show with the um incarnation part yeah
1: well, and that, that actually, that, that particular uh, piece from the soul's intent, dismembering to remembering is, uh, was mm-hmm. taken from the, the, the uh, tin man story in The Wizard of Oz. And uh, so in other words, he had to forget, he had to lose his arms and his legs, his head, and he had, he had to be disembodied to mm. then be remembered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, and that's, I th- and, that's the, and that, again, is the corrective measure, the self-correcting. The disembodiment – it's not even disembodied. That's the wrong word. The, the being taken away from our incarnation is the really yeah. way to say that, uh, which means we move from a, a feeling our way into this experience to emoting our way through this experience. When we get, in, when we get on that particular track and we stay there, uh, we forget uh, that we are feeling spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. That uh, that ca- that can be fully here and fully embodied in its experience. And instead, we
0: mm-hmm.
1: become fearful, fearful and guarded and defended, and uh, end up living a totally different kind of life than celebrating our own incarnation.
2: Yeah, almost <laughs> like know? creating um, an image of ourselves rather than being our incarnated self, <laughs> which would be. A- Natural way of being versus an image of ourselves, which would be a, a pretense.
0: Yeah,
1: and so that's and that's really the problem with uh, with the psychology of, of who we are, and that's why I, I am I am attempting to teach people the the benefit of a psychospiritual spiritual understanding of this experience because yeah, it it puts it in a context that allows this incarnation to be realized. Uh, so mm-hmm. so the soul's intent is, uh, you know, so I, I may end up changing my language. I said that, you know, that the, the the soul's intent is that you get here, that you think you get here when you're born, but you don't get here until you choose to arrive. I may change that to you, you're already incarnate. It, it is a choice to realize one's own incarnation. And it's also a choice of how you define what that incarnation to be or what you define that mm-hmm. incarnation to be. And it certainly isn't just simply a personality or an ego uh it's more than that your your own self understanding your own manifestation your own self expression is part of that incarnation you can't you can't pretend to self express that that which is in you that is incarnate you cannot pretend that you have to you have to really let that come through for it to be the magic that it is, to be the creation that it is, for that to be the uniqueness that it is. It has to be allowed mm. to come through. It can't, can't be faked or pretended. And um, and so imagine that we're all trying to understand. You know what is the incarnate self. You know we can we can be an embodied and awakened and understood comprehensible soul, uh, and be in that incarnation, but it's difficult to stay there because of the material world and because of the collective consciousness being what it
0: is. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible.